Hello and welcome to Open School of Business. Today, I am very excited to introduce you to Dr. Andrea Pennington. She is one of the top TEDx speakers. And if you check her out on YouTube, you'll find really amazing videos. And that's how I stumbled upon her. And what resonated with me is that she was an overachiever. Uh, she got a medical degree. She worked as a medical doctor for many years. And also she was multi-passionate, did journalism, did a lot of things. And what really struck a chord with me is that recently she moved to another country. So she's as, inter as international as myself. And she has passion for music, which she exercises with performances, real life performances. So I was very inspired by her and I reached out for the interview and she agreed. So today I have a pleasure of having Dr. Andrea Pennington on our show. And we will talk about her journey as an entrepreneur, because being an overachiever, doing so many things for other people, she shared this journey on the TEDx talk as well, how she went through a certain burnout period and it led her to her real calling. And that's why she's the owner of multiple businesses today. And I am inviting her to share her story with you today and definitely give us some real practical tips on how to transition from a full-time employee to a full-time business owner. Thank you so much, Anar. It's wonderful to connect with you. I would like to uh, first off start you out uh, with a question of what is the current state? Uh, where you're based, what do you do? And uh, what are the current challenges at work and at your business right now? Because a lot of people and business owners are struggling through the pandemic and there are certain consequences that they're facing at their business uh, and cash flows. Okay, well, I am in the south of France. I moved here 11 years ago and I have restructured my entire life at a completely different pace. Yes, it's true. I used to be a kind of an overachiever, overworker. Um, and, and now what I do is I have two companies. One is called Make Your Mark Global, which is a boutique branding and book publishing agency. And we also do speaker training. With Make Your Mark Global, we are currently in production on a documentary film about resilience, the top 10 traits of resilience. We started shooting in 2019 in Iceland and England, and then we got one shoot in LA before lockdown really kind of took us out. And next week I'll be heading to Italy to continue shooting this documentary. So the pandemic has slowed down our production in, in many ways, but we're starting to pick it back up again. So that is my biggest project uh, under Make Your Mark Global. And and helping people develop their brand and their speaker business as well. And then I run another company called Innate Vitality. So that's leveraging my medical background uh, as well as my background in the media. We run an online media platform providing education and information or addiction. 
And we also launched a vitamin supplement line um, a couple of years ago. I took on some in investment money to build out my own nutritional products, and, and that's under the banner of Innate Vitality. So you can imagine that being in the midst of a pandemic and people are freaked out about health, Innate Vitality has actually gotten a lot more attention, um, especially as people are recognizing the link between a toxic family or growing up with adverse childhood experiences and the impact that that has on our health. Because more people were stuck at home during the pandemic and they didn't have the same coping strategies, like people will cope with family stress by working harder or going to the bar or hanging out with friends or going to the gym and many of those coping mechanisms were taken away and so people were sort of left with this mess of finally coming to terms with their family stuff and how that impacts health. So that's a lot of what we do at Innate Vitality as well. And right now, we've, we've made some changes in our business structure um, with laying off some employees, but it's allowed us to be more streamlined and, and focused. So it's working so far. Uh, yes, and I think this is such a great opportunity for us to unpack some of the things that are people uh, that people are going through with the pandemic. And a lot of it, like you said, the coping mechanisms are taken away and the same happens with the jobs. And sometimes people, when they lose their jobs, they look for other jobs, but sometimes people go into their own business. In your uh, experience, for example, what gives you that first impulse to turning and, and deciding to go on your own and opening your business uh, or businesses. And I can see that it kind of goes from one to another where you have one and then you get into a different line of business. Uh, but when you first did that, how was it? What are the things that you would do differently or, or what are the things that you think made you very successful? Well, I have had a, a passion for business since my teenage years. At one point in high school, I thought maybe I would pursue international business because I love foreign countries and I love business. But my first step into entrepreneurship was after I finished my medical training at Georgetown University Hospital. While I was working for the Discovery Health Channel as the medical director and spokesperson, right across the street from our headquarters, I opened up the Pennington Institute with my mother. And this was a holistic, integrative wellness space and a spa. And there were some mistakes I made there for sure. One being that I opened a huge center, it was like 5,000 square feet. And I made the mistake, I didn't know it at the time, but everybody wanted to see me because I was the doctor on TV all the time. And so anytime I was away from the business, sales would drop. And ultimately when I went to, um, went on maternity leave, everything was like completely shut down. So I've learned now that it's fine if you brand a business with someone who's like a TV celebrity, but the structure of the business is something I would have done differently. So now what I've done with my companies, I'm still sort of the front person, but it's easier because we're working virtually. Uh, I don't have 
thousands of square feet and you know 15 employees to keep keep going so that's that's where we are now yeah i understand that completely and i think a lot of times people do rely on that personal brand but then when you are the business you don't have a business to sell for example one of the exit strategies if you have a system if you have a a content or a database of clients, then you have value that you can sell and enjoy after you retire. But when you're the face of the company and the heart and the muscle, then it becomes more difficult. But that's exactly. the dilemma I think a lot of professionals have because they work as a professional in a corporate arena and then they rely on those skills, on that network that they bring to generate income so they basically become their own full-time employee again yeah which is a good stepping stone but you need to change that and and you need to work on the systems and things to replace you when you're want to do other things with your life and, and since you've done that already in your new company what are your strategies? Like, what did you do differently? Still, if someone wants to have a discussion or, or like consultation with you only, how do you change the uh, client's perspective? Well, it's a little different now because my consultations are virtual. So I'm not fixed in one location, which was a real challenge for me. I didn't like that. Um, one of the things that you just brought up is content, and IP. So over the last 20 years as a physician leading retreats and workshops and teaching, I have developed you know, some intellectual property that falls under the umbrella of my company, Innate Vitality. So I am approaching it with an exit in mind. I never heard that. I mean, I was a doctor. Most doctors are not getting business advice. We just open up a practice. You know, that's what we've seen. Of course, it's different today you know, many MDs are getting MBAs. But in my case, now I recognize the way I'm setting up the company is I'm already having an exit strategy in mind. So just like you said, a customer database, the content that we're developing, whether that's films or online, we've also got quizzes that are very popular and um, my intellectual property. So I, I'm licensing to the company um, my IP that's featured in this documentary film, and it's what I teach around the world. That's wonderful. I, I love that you are using all of your skills from different area, uh, of different fields and integrating into one product. And, and the product is so real because a lot of people do struggle with, with health, with mental health, especially with a pandemic as well. And uh, these are the things that affect every area of their lives. Yeah. Like we talked about ADHD, how a lot of entrepreneurs have that, where they can't focus and it's affecting not only their health, but also their bottom line in the business. Yeah, I'd like to touch yeah. on, on that because one of the things that inspired me to get back into healthcare, because when I moved to France, I stopped practicing medicine in America. I was still doing some TV there, but I was basically just adjusting to my life uh, on the Riviera. And then when I started consulting and helping people with their brands, I was meeting entrepreneurs who were healthcare providers, spiritual coaches, energy healers, and they were burning out. 
I'm like, dude, you can't be a healthcare person and burn out. You know, you have to take the same self-care measures that you're teaching other people. And that's one of the reasons why innate vitality focuses on stress and burnout, because I started to have to teach it again to my, my clients. And I think that's the, the number one thing I would say for people when you're starting out in business, you are fired up. You've got this idea, this passion, and you finally believe in yourself enough to say, I'm going to go for it. And for most of us, we're willing to do anything for that business in the beginning, including working long hours, skipping the gym, not eating good food, drinking more of whatever, whether that's caffeine to stay up or alcohol to calm down. And all of those things will drain your batteries. And ultimately, those are the things that will set you up for entrepreneurial burnout. And the, the number one thing that I've had to do over the last few years as I started to grow my businesses again is to put barriers in place so that I have self-care built into, baked into my calendar such that my staff, they can't go around it. It's like I have specific time off for rest and renewal. So that's a big, a big tip for, for our entrepreneurs out there. I know you're excited about your business and of course if you're looking at investors, they want to know that you're 100% invested, but be mindful that if you get sick or you get taken out with burnout, your baby is going to just be out there alone. All right. That is so amazing. And can't um, emphasize that enough that it's true. Like a lot of medical professionals are also burnout and, uh, uh, entrepreneurs are burnout that we kind of got used to that idea that business people are always unhealthy. Uh, however, I think it's very important that you also brought up that uh, transition. You know, when you went uh, moved to another country, you dropped what you were doing because I, I also meet a lot of professionals who don't want to think about a business in their own area of expertise, even though that would be the easiest thing to do. <laughs> they want to get their minds completely off whatever they were doing for a big company, and they want to do something different, something either that would create, you know, use their creativity or that something low-key and more like grounded, like opening a coffee shop and things like that. And uh, I think for a lot of um, people, um, Mediterranean Sea is, is just a, such an <laughs> attractor. <laughs> and I would like to know more about, like, what were your first steps? Did you have already family or friends that you knew? How did you end up there? Like, I think a lot of people ultimately dream about retiring over there. But actually going and opening a business and sustaining life where you could enjoy what you're doing would be even more ideal than just retiring. Yes, for me, yes, because I wasn't retirement age when I came here, although that's what I originally thought. In my 30s, I was already thinking, gosh, it would be great to live in France. And then I thought, well, maybe I could do six months in France and six months in America until I retired. But I moved here when I turned 40, the year I turned 40. So for me, I want to go back to one thing you said about the transition. I have found that COVID has inspired many people who either got laid off or their companies just sort of went down. 
and they have tuned into either these long-term desires they've had or their creativity or a desire for passive income or to be more you know location independent people are making this transition to entrepreneurship and i think it's awesome in my case it was a necessity so we talked a little bit about burnout i was in my mid-30s working for discovery channel working in my wellness center doing tv and book tours and all over the place and i was exhausted but the main problem was i didn't feel fulfilled because after just a couple of years of operating this wellness center i had people from johns hopkins and at other medical centers sending me like the, the hardest, toughest cases. They're like, we don't, we can't fix this patient, so we're just gonna send them over there. And so because we, we included Chinese medicine, we had psychiatry, we had OBGYN, nutrition, cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness-based stress reduction, a holistic spa. So we had people who were getting their whole lives shifted and turned around, which was awesome. Over the course of those years, I was working with people with addictions and eating disorders and trauma, and I was discovering all these links between past trauma and present illnesses, including autoimmune conditions. You mentioned ADHD, allergies, asthma, like there were so many things that I'm like, there's a connection. And fortunately, there were new books coming out like by Peter Levine and Bessel van der Kolk, like there was starting to be an awakening within the medical world that there was this link. But what I wanted to do at Discovery was to share these discoveries because I had then started networking with other physicians around the country and I wanted to bring that. And at that time, the network was very, very conservative and they're like, no, this sounds kind of woo woo, sounds kind of California, even though there were NIH studies coming out on many of these modalities. But right. what that set up for me was I had become this trusted public figure and I wasn't delivering what I considered to be the full picture or the whole truth. And that created such a conflict within me that when I got to the point of burnout, I was like, what am I even doing this for? I don't feel fulfilled. I feel like a fraud. I'm not delivering what I really want to deliver in my heart and my soul. And I was ready to throw in the towel. So by the time I burnt out, you've seen my TED talk, I had an out of body, near death experience, a complete spiritual awakening. Coming out of that experience, I knew that I could not and I would not go back to life as it was. At the time that I had that NDE, I then became pregnant and I knew I'm not going to bring a child into this world and be living a lie because it, it just wasn't, it wasn't possible. So when I had the opportunity to move to France, I had just done a, a pretty large contract, um, a TV thing, and it only required a short amount of time in the US, so I came here. I did not know anyone. I did not have any connections on the Riviera, um, but I came, I rented an apartment for a couple of weeks to figure out the neighborhoods and then got my daughter into school. And that was, uh, yes, it was absolutely a, a leap of faith and it required a, a huge amount of courage. And I think that courage and bravery, those are top values of mine. But ultimately the courage to make that move came from knowing that I didn't want to live the way that I was living in America. And because the lifestyle 
the pace and the cost of living in America is so high. I knew that if I was going to stay there to have the kind of life that I wanted would require working really hard as a single mom. And I didn't want that. So the opportunity just came at the perfect time. And, and I have scaled back my lifestyle so that I don't have to work like a crazy person because I wanted to be present for my daughter and have a lifestyle that was healthy. So yes, there we are. And that's <laughs> just such a great story. And it's so relatable for many, many people. Uh, I see a lot of uh, successful professionals and they have the money, they have the prestige. Um, they even have great teams that they're working with. And the only thing that's missing is the meaning because not in every company they can push through their own ideas or just, yeah. just the ability to do business with integrity and with their full heart. Like you're saying, you know, if you're in a corporate setting and you have this things that there's things you can talk about, there are things you cannot talk about. And, and that's just the boundaries and the limits that really successful, uh, really aspiring people, they cannot live with those things. They, and that's what drives them away from businesses and corporations because of their a love for autonomy and basically their love for truth where they can do as they say and say as they do like you can't when these things don't match it creates uh, such a cognitive dissonance in the head that it can really lead to a lot of dysfunctions like you're saying and I can definitely relate to that. It's just like in journalism, you know, if you're working in a country where you have freedom of speech comparing to where you don't, that's going to be a completely different experience. <laughs> and I see that in a lot of people, how they choose to move to another country or they choose to completely change their field of expertise because it just becomes unbearable. And especially for women, when they have a kid, they do want to, there are a lot of things that they try to analyze and, and they change. It's just the whole life becomes, you get a new perspective and you value different things. And it just makes a whole lot of more sense to uh, devote your life to someone who is much closer rather yeah. than to some idea that's out there and you don't know what would be more comfortable. And I really admire you for that because I think that was very, very brave. And also it just opened up so many more doors for yourself and your daughter in the future uh, because of the languages and, and et cetera. And I think being an immigrant, uh, I can relate to that a lot, but I always had some kind of a connection before I moved to a place and especially the language helped. So I wonder if you're, when you moved, did you speak French already? Yes. Yeah, I started so. um, French lessons when I was in middle school. And because of the spiritual experience that I had in 2005, I had saw a vision of me living in France with my daughter. So when she was in the womb, I was speaking French to her. French was her first language. So when we moved here, she was, you know, ready to go. 
That's great. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I always tell people, you know, if you want to do something as a hobby, language is always a good idea because you never know where you want to move. And if you have some extra languages or if you admire a certain culture and you like their lifestyle and if you speak their language, it would be much easier for you to like kind of be uh, be closer to that culture through the language, whether you're going to just visit or you might eventually move. So, and that's amazing. And speaking of 2005, so when you, when you left Discovery, it was around 2005? Uh, yes. Around yeah. that area, yeah. Because I know the story <laughs> that Discovery Channel's founder, he actually also left the company and started a new startup called Curiosity Stream. It's also based in Silver Spring, <laughs> is right across from Discovery. So there are many changes now in Silver Spring downtown. Yeah, and Discovery yeah. Health Channel then became the Oprah Winfrey Network. Oh, uh, Oprah Winfrey bought it or how does it work? It was a 50-50 deal oh. between Oprah and Discovery, yeah. I see, very nice. Well, they also moved to New York. I think the whole building is gone now. Yeah, a lot of changes. Yeah, and I'm hoping it's for the best because now more and more local entrepreneurs can, you know, take advantage of that void that is created in summer spring in a way. Yeah. <laughs> because there are more and more people looking for jobs and uh, there are more opportunity to for entrepreneurs to hire them and and uh, do something that would benefit the uh, the community over here and I see you've done a lot of volunteering as well so um, share that experience how did you manage to live such a full exhausting life and volunteer at the same time and how do you approach volunteering now with your more holistic mindset well in the beginning I was working at Discovery Channel and I didn't have my own clinical practice so I convinced John Ford our, our president at the time to let me have time uh, where I worked at the Spanish Catholic Center in uh, Maryland. And that just allowed me to keep my medical license and my medical practice going. But it was after I was hired to do the news that I decided, okay, if I'm gonna be doing more of this stuff, then I might as well open up a wellness center. So being a volunteer helped a lot just because there is a large immigrant population uh, in Maryland and to provide culturally sensitive care. I also speak Spanish, so we were working at the Spanish Catholic Center. It was, it was a huge gift for me, not just for them, but for me. And, and now what I do uh, on the volunteer front is helping people with recovery. Um, my work started off with AccuDetox, which is acupuncture, little uh, needles in the ear that help people as they're detoxing from drug and alcohol addiction. And I started um, my study of that in my fourth year of med school and continued my ac acupuncture training. So in those first few years of my own wellness center, working with people with addiction and eating disorders and trauma, um, I realized that there's a great need for a more holistic approach. You get that, of course, if you go to rehab, 
many places do have a full holistic approach, but for people who don't go to rehab, there there isn't uh, a lot. There aren't a lot of resources, and so in 2008, I created um, an organization called the Real Self Love Movement, and I provide, along with several real self love leaders around the world, um, free resources. So online meetings, in person meetings, uh, downloadable resources to help people recover from childhood trauma, uh, abuse, neglect. It, it is also uh, rich with recovery resources. So if people are recovering from substance use disorder, that's also in there. And so that's where my, my volunteering has come, is doing things online um, and lots of phone meetings in other organizations, 12-step um, communities as well. And, and that's, that is my commitment to service. So I, I make time for that every week, believe it or not. Yes, I, I saw that and I was amazed by um, how much uh, free resources can be shared and it can really make a difference. Even five minutes of a real conversation can really make a difference in someone's life. And it's just, yeah. it's just how, and it's so good that you can reach so many people over the internet. Yeah. That's what's just... I think is such a blessing. <laughs> yeah, we take it for granted, but it is a blessing that we can do conversations, we can connect with people. And back in the day, of course, face-to-face -face is always so much better, especially for the extroverts. But I think even meeting people online for the first time, you still connect through the sharing of certain lifestyle views and the mindset yeah, and you just feel the person's um, energy that way. So yeah. it's really amazing. Continuing on, you know, about your plans that you're doing right now. What, do you, what kind of plans do you have with your documentary? You said it was shot in different locations already. What's your big dream for this baby? Well, we are following the stories of five people who've either faced burnout or uh, trauma in their lives. And the whole story is, you know, what has given them the strength to keep going? The, we, we cover everything from substance abuse, childhood abuse, as well as suicide. My goal with this is to show people how the cornerstone process, which is the IP I was talking about, this five-step framework that is used for recovery is highlighted in the film. The goal is that anybody who sees this film, one of these stories will resonate with you. As you learn how they overcame the adversity, you can apply these lessons in your own life and gain inspiration. So I'm excited about that. Um, one of the things that we're shooting next week is um, a segment on neurofeedback. So in 2019, I gave myself a birthday gift. Was I was in America and got training on EEG neurofeedback. And this is one area that is showing incredible promise for the treatment of trauma and PTSD and anxiety and depression and so many things. And essentially, it's just hooking up EEG and showing you what your brain waves are doing at any given moment. So as you're sitting with your eyes closed as you start to do deep breathing, meditation. 
And what we can show is that people can actually modify their own brain waves without taking a substance, and that can impact their health and well-being. I mean, on the largest scale, it could even lead to spiritual growth and evolution. So I'm really excited to be including that. And another aspect that, that this film will uh, explore is the use of psychedelics and plant medicine in sacred ceremonies. There's a, an incredible amount of research that's happened over the last 20 plus years, uh, more like 30, 30 years, that show that there are several psychedelics whether they're plant-made or lab-made, that can help people with PTSD, with depression, with addiction, eating disorders, with anxiety associated with a terminal diagnosis. And so including that in the film as well, we're basically showing how so many different modalities can help people build up their resilience, find reason and hope for living, and really move on and thrive. So I'm really excited about that. I want to see it on you know, video on demand, all around the world. I want millions of people to be able to tune into this film and find hope and inspiration. Yes, I think visuals and, and stories, they always work so well. You know, this showing that uh, people just like yourself, uh, you know, went through a, a very traumatic experience and came out of it thriving would really inspire a lot of people. Exactly. And uh, on the other hand, you're also doing a publishing company right now and helping authors to uh, write their books and, and become keynote speakers. Uh, what are your, like, uh, what are the steps that you advise people to take before deciding the books that they want to write that would help with their businesses? Because I see that, and, and it's just so amazing. I love your background with all the books that you've, you've written you. and that you have almost always, you have a corresponding TEDx talk, which is amazing. People really love uh, the talk and, and the vi visuals uh, to go along with, <laughs> with the content that is more deep in the book. So I look at you as an expert in in that building your brand, delivering content, and also approaching it creatively, like doing a documentary is, is just such an amazing way to communicate the value that you're bringing. So I want to learn from you uh, as, a, as a speaker and an author, because in the future is one of the things that I would aspire as well, but there's so many things that I think about and I think I have experience in, and same with our audiences. Some of them have really technical background and they could write an amazing technical book on their field. And But also we're all very well-rounded people. So you can always find something that resonates with you and that would speak to much, much larger audiences than if you did a technical book. So what is your approach like? What's the advice that you would give to all those aspiring authors out there that are listening? Well, my approach is coming from a different place than a traditional publisher. Mainstream publishers are out to make money. Uh, and of course, my business is a for-profit business, but our number one objective is to help people realize their full potential. So the books that we publish are centered around psychology, self-help, health, 
that kind of thing. And the types of people that I work with, either privately in the Global Luminary Academy or as authors, they are people who want to make a difference in the world and they want to get to be the best speaker, the best author or entrepreneur that they can so that they can fulfill their life's mission. So with that in mind, for me, I always start with the heart and the soul. So I don't know if you saw this on my website, but I, I teach a, a five-step model for becoming a global luminary. And a global luminary is just a star that shines bright where we can sense your presence even around the world. We can feel your warmth. And, and that's, that's what I help to create. So the first stage to becoming a global brand starts off with the blueprint or the vision. And this is where I would invite you to like tune into your heart and soul. So this is not a business decision coming from your head, at least in my, my world. I don't work in that fashion anymore. It's like tuning into your heart. What is the message that you wish to transmit through that book or through that TED talk or that film? When you tune into your heart, then I invite you to visualize, like tell me what does it look like when you are doing that thing? So whatever it is, some people do want to publish a book, but that's just a stepping stone to having a global, globally recognized brand where they can do workshops in any country and they fill up or they, they see it as a, a means to fill their business. So in other words, when you're envisioning that TED talk or that book, what is it you're ultimately looking to accomplish? Because in stage one, we're just creating a blueprint. And for me, that is a very visual, it is kinesthetic, it is emotional, because then I can translate that. For me, that's just how I work as a visionary. It's like, you give me the sense of where we're going and I can show you how to get there. So that's step one, is tuning into the heart and soul and knowing what you want to be doing as you achieve your goal, because not everyone wants to do keynotes all the time. I have clients who say, look, just coach me to get that one major talk so I've got it done, it's on my web, it's on YouTube, and then I can focus on other things in my business. Whereas other people, they do love speaking. They wanna be doing this in multiple countries every month. So you have to come up with your vision that fits you without trying to fit into anybody else's box. Stage two is what we call the position stage. This is the, the critical first step into the outside world because in the beginning, everything is internal. Well, you may write things down about your vision, but it's all very internal. The first time that we show up in the outside world is the position stage. And that's where we're building your brand platform and outlining your entire brand identity. That is the colors, the fonts, the images that would create the same feeling that you created back in step one. So in the position stage, we are building that website, but it's after we've done uh, you know, several worksheets on identifying your values and what you stand for and the types of people you want to serve and the unique way that you do that. And you know, I help people with that in my authentic personal branding bootcamp. Then we move into stage three, and this is the presentation stage. This is the first time that I'm inviting people to really get on stages or on podcasts. And this is where you start to deliver your unique message, whether that's a signature speech or a TED talk. It's about differentiating. In stage one, you're just saying, hey world, here I am, this is what I do. In the presentation stage, we're taking it a little bit further by really carving out what makes you unique. This is typically when I invite my 
clients to develop that IP. Like start developing it now because even if you are a veterinarian or you're a coach or you're a therapist and you think, well, we've all been to the same training, it's not the same thing that you do because you're different than everyone else. And so coming up with that unique way that you deliver results is typically what we want to present to the world in stage three. And this is also where you can start to create a following, where people start to know you and you build that following on social media. In stage four, it's what we consider uh, the sharing it in a more uh, IP kind of way. So it's, it could be books. It could be that you are now leveraging the media. Um, many people come to me and they think they want to instantly you know, get on Oprah or get on some show. And I'm like, you got to pass through these other phases first because I've been actually in DC with a group of people who started a, I want to call it a pity party. They wouldn't have called it that, but they started a group because they each went on the Oprah show and because their business wasn't ready, they bombed. It hurt their business. And so it's the same thing that I tell my clients, do these other stages first before you try to get out in the media and featured on the, the top blog or the top podcast. So that's, that's typically in stage four. And stage five is where we say it's time to glow globally. And that's where you can be invited on JV partnerships or doing retreats in multiple countries because now you're so well known that people will want to travel to come see you or they'll log on online and watch you. So that's kind of the, the, the progression of these five stages to becoming a global luminary. And over the last 20 years, especially working with big media brands, after I left Discovery, I worked for Lux TV for, for several years. That's what the big brands do as well. So if it works, why not apply it to personal brands? Yes, thank you for such a detailed uh, tour into your personal <laughs> branding approach. It was just amazing. And there were times that I wanted to be interrupting and saying, oh, I love this and I can relate to that. I just didn't want to interrupt because, it's, you know, five bullet points that I hope our audience gonna, you know, repeat and listen again if they need to, which is, I think, gonna be very helpful. And I'm gonna make sure I draft in the notes as well, this uh, five steps to becoming a global luminary. I love the branding of it. It's just so amazing. Yeah. And now I see, I see the point where, you know, when you're trying to study for some technical exam, like recently I got my real estate license and a lot of project management qualification exams. And when you take that book, it just doesn't have a soul. <laughs> you know, those are the guides, you know, they're just very technical, very useful and content rich books, but they don't have the soul. Yeah. And that's why I loved how you said you have to start with the heart and the soul. And there are some business books that achieve that, I think, like, I love a one page marketing plan. It's very uh, practical you know, and you would think it's pragmatic, but it does have a soul <laughs> because yeah. it's all about how you connect with your audience. How do you define your target uh, client? And you work yeah. only for that client because you want to deliver the best what you can for this, you know, type of a client. 
So when you say like it's it has to come from within, it's just amazing because it will give you energy to also deliver your speeches with yeah. a lot more passion. And yes. you'll have a lot of many different examples that you can come up with because this is how you live your life. This is what you believe in. So it's just amazing. I love that. And um, you know, um, you meant you mentioned the the one page marketing. I there's another one pager that I love. It's called Strategy on a Page, and it was developed by a friend of mine, um, Derry Llewellyn Davies, this big uh, advisor to you know multi million and billion dollar businesses. Um, and it's also in a book form. And Strategy on a Page will help you create your entire business plan on one A4 sheet of paper. So I highly recommend that as well. Um, and Derry, you'll see his TED talk maybe on my website, but he's also a big adventurer. And so you wouldn't think that his business strategy starts off with heart, but it does. So that's another one I'd recommend to your audience to check out. Strategy on a page. Right. I, I love one pagers. <laughs> the yeah. whole startup world is on one pager these days. Business yeah, canvas yeah. and uh, uh, all the other tools is just uh, people are so busy these days and again yeah. they are very uh, distracted all the time our world is designed to be distracted and it's harder and harder for people to actually be able to consume the content in a meaningful way <laughs> that's why I really like your approach of inviting people into meditation sessions first and getting in touch with themselves and quiet their minds down first and then be ready to share what you have uh, from your inner self to the outer world to actually make a difference. Because the world is so fast, no matter how many times you've been on Oprah show, people wouldn't remember it if it doesn't uh, connect and if they don't keep be engaged with you. Yeah, and exactly engaging people is is only comes from heart that's yeah. why the pandemic i really don't like the one uh one big big um outcome i think of this is that a lot of people become less connected yeah because when we're face to face when we hug we feel so much more connection and i'm just hoping that doing the videos, doing podcasts, it still resonates with people because you hear uh, the voices and, you know, doing a voice training is also very important. You would know that as a singer yeah. and a speaker as well, that uh, these are all the things that people can still use to engage with their customers, to create more authentic following. Um, so it's, I think that everyone should look into this uh, boot camp and, and take advantage of it if they are ready. Yeah. That is um, because I think you, you need to have the vision first before you ask somebody for help. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, that's great. Uh, and uh, I don't want to keep you for too long, although we've chatted for almost an hour and I'm enjoying every minute of it. <laughs> I want you to um, just um, kind of share with us uh, your big dream or a vision 
for yourself, the world, or the business, and um, just share with us uh, what you would like to share, basically. Hmm. Well, in the last 15 years, I have traveled the world and I've seen amazing recovery stories with so many different modalities and healing methods. And my vision is that everyone, everyone on this planet wakes up to know who you really are as a spiritual being, first and foremost. As more people awaken to who we are as divine beings, I know that that will bring more peace, ultimately. More peace in the way that we treat ourselves and others, the way we conduct business, and of course, how we treat Mother Earth. So that's my vision. That's, that is the vision behind every company that I'm involved in, every group that I participate in. It's all about helping people wake up, elevating the level of consciousness on our planet. Oh, that's so amazing. And I think that's why so many great people are attracted to your companies and to your talks is just a very noble and a wholesome idea. And when mm. you do things from that wholesome place, things will get better and better and better. So that's what I wish for you and uh, all of your customers and clients and all of the people that surround you. Thank you so much for your time Thank today. You. I appreciate it so very much. And I wish you continued success in this podcast and beyond. Thank you.